Losing new hires? Your onboarding process might be the problem. Did you know you have 44 days to make or break the onboarding experience or get stuck in a cycle of high turnover? In today's episode, Anita Grantham and Vanessa Rula talk about the critical information that HR leaders need to know about onboarding. In this episode, they cover questions like, how long should your onboarding take? What are the key pillars every successful onboarding process includes? And what are the top new hire frustrations and how can you avoid them? Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is brought to you by Bamboo HR, the complete HR software. Simplified HR with award-winning solutions for everything from hire to retire with Bamboo HR. Hi, Bamboo HR here. Do you know what your employees really want? I mean, besides more money, of course, and better benefits. Maybe an in-house masseuse. Ooh, a never-ending supply of chocolate chip cookies fresh from the oven and gooey. Mmm. Besides all that, what do they want? Well, they want to feel energized and free to do their best work. That's where I come in. I'm user-friendly, fast, accurate. Employees, managers, admins, they all love me. It's easy to switch, too. Give it a try at BambooHR.com. That's BambooHR.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 38, Losing Your New Hires. The onboarding process could be your problem. Vanessa and I are going to dive in today and we're going to talk about it. We're just excited to have you all with us to kick off the new year with this critical, exciting topic. Well, let's do it. So I wanted to share that the data we're using today comes from one of our, our own pieces of content. We'll share a link in the show notes. It's our definitive guide to onboarding. Anita, can you share some of the data that you found interesting in these pieces? Like what, what, why do you think onboarding is something we need to focus on right now? So I'm actually working with one of our founders, Ryan Sanders, on leadership development. And I was with him yesterday live in our office. And I drew it on the board. And onboarding is actually the tip of the spear of leadership development for team members as they come into your organization. They are coming in based on an employee value proposition that they thought that they have purchased. And then they come in for those 44 days. They are saying, are you returning on what you sold to me? This is the time that they are seeing whether what they bought is actually being delivered throughout the recruiting process as they show up to onboard inside your organization. And so if you have not downloaded this guide, you have to do it. There's 10 critical steps listed in this guide. We're going to cover our favorite three because that's what we get to do here and the three that we think are most impactful for you. But you've got to download the guide. It'll give you everything that you need if your onboarding needs a refresh in 2024. But for Vanessa and me, what's so interesting is 70% of new hires decide whether a job fit is the right fit within the first month, including 29% that seal the deal within the first week. So you don't have that much time. So on average, companies only have 44 days to influence a new hire's long-term retention, which is just so fascinating. But think about it, like compare it to a product, right? Vanessa, like if you buy a new product or you buy a new service or you download a new app, if it's not delivering, you're cutting it off right away. Like if, if I'm paying for an app, especially, I actually put on my calendar, I have five days to cancel, Right. And I'm going to be putting it on there so I don't get stuck with that reoccurring expense. Like onboarding for new hires, they're going to do the same thing. Like if you don't get it done in those 44 days, they are going to put cancel on you. And they're going to be disengaged and looking for a new job on your dime. So I think these data points, when you look at them, it's important to ask yourself, are you one of these companies? How confident do you feel 
you're doing in those first 44 days. And if folks are making decisions about your company and their role in such a short period of time, onboarding has to be a critical step to help us reduce turnover and increase time to value is what I look for. If I hire somebody new, how do I get them to value the fastest to stop that turnover and get that engagement super high from the start? One is interesting because when I hear 44 days, you think, oh, that's plenty of time. That's a lot of days. But that's weekend times. It's like business days within the 44 days. That's a lot less. And it goes by really fast in the business world. So it's crazy. Um, Well, let's talk about how you actually deliver on what you promise when you have a new hire. If folks are deciding within those 44 days, like what what do we do in HR? Well, what does HR need to do to make sure that those 44 days go smoothly? Yeah. So for HR leaders, it's important that we understand how far our role goes in the onboarding process. Like I shared, I'm really passionate that onboarding is the tip of the spear for leadership development, right? Even if you're an individual contributor, you're still a leader in any organization I think you're in. You don't have to have a leader title to be a leader. And so I think you start developing your team members from the start. And we've talked about this a little bit before. If you want to refresh your different point of view on this, please go back and check out episodes 17 and 19 for more onboarding content. But a quick recap as we put this together for you, HR is responsible for the initial onboarding and orientation process. We are the ones that are on the front line to do the paperwork. I call this the life paperwork, right? Like you're getting your health insurance oriented. You're figuring out your taxes and your deductions. Like you're signing up your life into a new system So we've got to get everybody set up from a life standpoint and then an IT standpoint, right? So there's a lot of stress and checking the box. It's very transactional. And actually, you know, we had this man. He is fantastic. One of my new heroes for 24. Um, The author of this book, he came and spoke to Bamboo in November at our team event. And he talked about the relationship of, you know, when you get a check at a restaurant, it's very transactional. So, you know, you have this great dining experience and then they lay down the check and it's like pay the bill. It's super transactional. I think if you're not careful, onboarding is super transactional, right? You have this very warm and fuzzy where we have this employee value proposition. We have all this stuff going on. If you're recruiting when Vanessa was a recruiter, man, you'd love her, right? She's your best friend for weeks on end as you're hemming and hawing, thinking if you want to make this career change. And then all of a sudden you get in on day one and it's like, what are your deductions and what do you need for health insurance? And da-da-da, like check the box. It's very transactional. So what do you do to make it unreasonable to bring your brand and your values and your mission and the life of the organization into everything that you're doing? So I just think we've got to spend more time here. And then it dies when they move into the teams. This is the thing I really want us to double down on. Like hiring managers. You are so lucky to get a new human on your team. Don't foul it up by not having an onboarding plan. Otherwise, I want to just be honest and say you probably don't need a team member. If you're not ready to onboard them and help get them to value through role-based role-based onboarding, we are missing the boat. And us and all of our people teams, we need to influence that. And so definitely check out our role and our definitive guide here to onboarding. It'll give you a lot of new ideas. Because 23% of employees admit that they've cried within a week of joining their new company. How many of you have done that? I've done it. Have you done it, Vanessa? 
oh, I totally have. I was I like, what, what was I thinking? <laughs> I'm like, what did I just sign on for? Like, I am so a, a preacher, right? <laughs> like, let's just be honest, friends, here it is, unplugged. That's the no judgment zone, right? Yep. But I yep. mean, I have definitely cried. I think for 23% that are crying within the first week, you know, it could be a problem of overselling or underselling yourself in the interview process. I've done both, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I got in and I'm like, oh, I sold ahead here. I'm going to have all the value proposition here really quickly. And, and that brings us back to something you know, Vanessa, and I are really passionate about. Is the job description accurate? Does the recruiter and hiring manager actually know what they're going out to find? And are you interviewing the right candidate that can go deliver on this job with excellence and help them be successful? Yes, exactly. It's so sad that many of us have had that experience. <laughs> but a great growth opportunity, right? You know, looking at the positive side. <laughs> Robin, I'm still crying after four years. I, I, I feel you. Yeah, you know, there are days. There are days. Yes, right? Virtual here. hearts yeah. for you. <laughs> I love Mark. No Marty. more tears. What's yeah. the Eden rock ballad? No more tears, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, for 2024. Yes. I love the the giphy that was just shared in the chat of inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. <laughs> well, if you need to cry, you can come here to HR Clark. Well, yes. we'll get you through it. So don't you yes. worry. <laughs> Where do you think most HR teams fail when it comes to onboarding? I don't think it's intentional, right? And this is our no judgment zone. So no one is a failure on HR Unplugged. We are all heroes here. But I think that we need to ask ourselves who inside the organization is responsible for onboarding, right? I think there's something that we do on the people side of things that is like, here's the organization you join. Here are the things systemically and company-wide that you need to know about. But it is the leader's responsibility to guide and care for and love this human that's coming on to the team. And so it's not one or the other. It's a partnership between the two. And have you discussed as part of your recruiting plan, because this is what you'd want to sell through the recruiting process, what do we do to help you be successful? Right? We often ask the candidate, what does the first 90 days look like for you? If you're a candidate, I want to know what the first 90 days looks like for me as a new hire inside your organization. How Do I have the tools and resources there to help me be successful? Have you thought about the ways I can get to value fast? And who are the people that I need to know inside the organization? I almost want to show you like a spider graph, right? Like if I'm coming in and I'm a recruiter, let's just use that because a lot of us know that context here on this call. If I'm a recruiter and I'm working inside the technology teams, I need to know the technology leaders. I need to know who's onboarding. I need to know, um, you know, all the details about who they're going to be interacting and working with on the product teams and around the organization to really effectively recruit for that job. So maybe making a spider graph of all the adjacent roles of the humans they need to know to be successful inside the organization. And so partnering with the hiring manager to ensure they're set up for success, especially if they're new or like if they don't hire a lot of jobs, right? You can automate a lot of this if you have those plug and play jobs that are coming up all the time. If you're hiring one recruiter in the next 24 months, then you're going to want to take some time and put that together specifically. I think this is when you cry and you get the ugly cry. It's because they sign up and they're excited about a company and a job 
And then they get there and they realize that the person teaching you about the job isn't invested or isn't qualified or hasn't spent any time to put it together for you. I mean, that that's just heartbreaking. I, you know, and I've done it. I've cried and I've went and I've, you know, gone to look for a new job. Well, what what should that handoff look like between HR and the role specific onboarding that comes from a new hire managers or somebody on their team? Well, really what should happen is they're integrated all the way through it, right? So if you're coming in and let's say from an organization standpoint, you use OKRs, objectives and key results, or you use big rocks, that's a Franklin Covey term. Whatever you use, smart goals, whatever you use for your goal setting, that's a corporate wide program. You're going to want your people team or, you know, your COO, your president, your CEO to talk about how you drive performance in the organization. But you're going to want the hiring manager to say, this is what success looks like in this org. This is what the job description was. In the first six months, these are the things that you are going to want to deliver on. And this is how I'm going to help you. Like that's how those handoffs work together so that they understand the corporate program. And then when they go into their day job, they understand and they see it show up in their day job. And when I say corporate, I don't mean you have to be a thousand team members or 10,000 team members or however big you are. Corporate can still be 10 people, right? Corporate can still be five people or whatever the size is. The thing is, is you want to take it from the top level of the organization and make it actionable and specific to the individual that it affects. And that's where the partnership should go in. So good handoff includes a few things. A scheduled meeting at the end of onboarding where the new hire has a lunch or a formal meeting with their manager, right? So that's important. It's a good time to talk about what's happening in the next 30, 60, 90 days. And in fact, I don't want it to end there. I want to check in at 120 and I want to check in at 360. We're going to talk about some ways that you can do that later in the time. And you also want someone actually inside or outside the team that's not part of onboarding and isn't in the direct line chain of management that that new hire can interact with. Like I know in the times of remote work and hybrid work, they're like, the buddy is dead for onboarding. I don't think so. I've onboarded as a remote team member and it sucks, right? So I've got to meet everyone I've got to meet in Slack or on Zoom. I want a list of people that I am intentionally set up with, that I have meetings scheduled with, that I know that I'm going to get to meet outside of my org to build relationships with. And I think that's really important. I agree. And, and, and it made me kind of think of, you know, some of the remote employees that I've even met, like they'll join different Slack channels where it's like the Texas group. And then some of them will meet up for lunch and you get to meet people from different areas and like find um, those different connections because the stronger your web of connections, you know, that is is tied to your happiness in the workplace. Oh, it totally is. Uh, it shows this in the definitive guide for onboarding. So download it if you haven't yet. 87% of new hires hope to make a friend at work. This is mind blowing for me. But as I look at what we've been through on COVID and we are missing communities, we're looking to work to build our community. So it's important to find a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that makes me think of all the friend songs, you know, that we could just break out into song right now. You know? <laughs> oh I was watching Bridesmaids on the Plane home and when they break into the song is hilarious <laughs> i haven't watched them forever now i want to watch it <laughs> run to self the opening scene is uh pretty risque and you're on a plane and you're like oh gosh i had to like fast forward i was like the strangers this is uncomfortable <laughs> that's amazing 
Well, we've talked about this before, but we we need to quickly touch on it again um, in this episode. Like, any thoughts on how long onboarding should actually take? Look, I I have built onboarding programs from like two hours to two days to two weeks, and I think it really depends on your objectives. So don't go for a time frame. Go to what um what do I want this new hire to learn? What do they have to know to get successful and be started effectively on day one? Put together that content and then tell me how long it takes. That's that's how you want to build it. Keep in mind that your you know people team onboarding session can be longer than what your brain can tolerate. There's only so much policy, procedure, content people can sit through before it's just like wah, 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 wah. So think about different ways that you can use technology, TikTok, videos, Zoom, in-person activities. This is why it is an L&D function. So think about how you make it as interactive as possible. You know, show some funny clips from the office, whatever it is to lighten it up and make it fun. More than half of employees, 56%, say they just need one or two days to ease into their new role. That's an important data point. So you have few content and objective that, objectives that take you beyond two days. One thing I do like to do is maybe you do a weekly or a monthly check-in on different things. You'll definitely want to do this with your leaders, right? So there's kind of a corporate onboarding. There's an individual contributor onboarding. There's also a people leader onboarding that needs to take place. If you jam all of that into the first 30 days, this person's going to spontaneously combust. You're going to want to spread it out. And you want to make it real time. Like if I'm a people leader and you're teaching me about a program that's not going to hit my desk for a quarter or two quarters, I'll never remember it. Right? Think about your own brain. And so this is where it takes time and scheduling and you'll want to like think about your Excel sheet or your calendar reminders or whatever it is, depending on how many people you're bringing on and making sure that 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 all comes together. You know, just for context, they shared with you that we at Bamboo in 2024, we're redoing our own onboarding right now. So I'm living this world with you. You know, for us, we're moving to a model where we do one day of onboarding and then we have a two day onboarding a week so that later, even when remote folks fly in, we can have everyone together. So it's kind of like, here's your day one to get you up and running. And then depending on when you come in, you get a two day that kind of goes through all of that. And we have decided to make that a live, an IRL, in real life experience just because we want people to get the feel of bamboo. We want to build cohorts and classes where people can get to know people around the organization. You know, the two-day event focuses on snippets of the business from different departments. So, you know, how do we make money? Uh, What are the key inputs to our product roadmap for the year? Marketing shares our brand promise and differentiation strategy because you want them to understand the full context of the business so they can make the biggest impact in their role. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that. Really excited about this new onboarding program because I love that it's, you know, it works for us, but it's really paying attention to, like, I know you said you they'll combust if you jam everything in right at the beginning. Like, and it's also like overwhelming as a new hire where you're like, okay, I want to retain all of this, but is that real? Like, I, can I actually do that? <laughs> so, um, so, Going into our next section, the top frustrations for new hires and what we can do to avoid them. What are the general themes that you've seen over the years, Anita? 
Well, you know, just to double down on some themes we've already talked about, these are the frustrations that most new hires have, according to our data. Department onboarding does not match the quality of corporate onboarding. We've chatted about this, so they feel really defeated um, going into the day job. This is a big one. And, you know, we've watched this a thousand times. So again, continued apologies. We need to be better here. But technology isn't ready on day one. I mean, how are you supposed to exist? Every company is a technology company. If you don't have the tools and resources ready on day one, we have a problem. Like it's just not going to work. 51% of employees say their top frustration with onboarding is tech issues, malfunctioning computers, lack of setup, inability or inavailability. Is that a word? Unavailability of IT specific resources to help get that up and running. You know, 58% of employees say their top frustration is lack of essential tool access. So that's that's really critical. And then, you know, the other piece is there's just no one to go to for questions. And again, hiring managers, if you're not available and you're not proactively checking in, like, hey, Vanessa, I'm so glad that you decided to start at Bamboo. We're going to talk every other day. Or we're like, set up the cadence. We're going to talk for 15 minutes every day. Just to be like, hey, how's it going? What do you need? What questions do you have? Um, here's a sheet. Like I often tell people for 90 days, I want you to write down everything that you feel like you're not getting enough of. And I want to talk about it all the way through. And I want to learn because the best way for you to learn what to do better is to learn from new hires. So definitely get in and leverage that opportunity to get a new eye and a new voice on what you're doing inside your organizations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and just a note too on that on that tech side, <laughs> you you definitely lose trust with with new hires when they start their first day and they've got tech issues. It's like every I kind of think of uh, recruiting as a starting point where you're 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 building a rope where somebody feels like a strong like I I you're trying to get to after that 44 days like that strong rope build of like they're bought in they're connected they believe in our mission vision values but to get to that strong rope the recruiting starts with like the little strings to start building the rope and building that trust and building out like what it is. The hiring manager builds some like strings. First day, tech issues, some of those strings get cut. All of a sudden your rope is not as strong. And so then you're, you know, I just think about it that visually because I'm a visual thinker. So relating it to that, but that's just how important it is to like really build trust with those new hires and giving that really great experience that tech is so important for sure. If somebody doesn't feel like they have what it takes to do their job, it's just a big challenge, you know, and having a good relationship. So like the people team IT relationship is gold. Like if you're not friends with that team or that person, go take them their favorite sweet treat. Like go invest in it. Find out what's in their way. You know, one of the biggest challenges I've had forever in this is do you pre-order tech or do you hire people and then order tech? And can it get there with enough time to set it up so it's secure and updated with all of your company's specific policies and procedures and software and tools? You know, so really aligning. This is why it's such a good time. Actually, it's really a Q4 activity. But if we're in Q1, it's okay. You know, sit down with your IT teams and kind of debrief. What went well with hiring last year? What do you need to do better? Do you need more lead time? Do you not? Like just deciding the schedule, the logistics is such a big part. And making sure you just stay in a one-on-one conversation so that you can get them promptly whatever they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add on on making sure tech is ready? 
And I, any other problems or do you feel like we kind of covered it? I think we beat that one. All right, cool. <laughs> I know you you went into all the things, so we got it. All right. So what about the the third area that you mentioned, not having someone to go to with questions? Like what can HR do to help avoid this complaint? Well, so what's so interesting is, you know, I've worked with so many great onboarding leaders in my career. I feel grateful for that. What would happen is the new hire would go to the person running onboarding for everything, right? So you you don't, you know, that's, uh, we want to automate when and wherever is possible. So you want to have, you know, a page of technology, an internal system where like they can search up, hey, I need, my computers are working. Where do I go? How do I submit a ticket? I need to change my 401k contribution. Where do I go to do that? right? You want to think about how you self-serve on all of those questions. This is especially important for remote team members. Like we talked about, it's hard for them to onboard. So so think about like, do you have an onboarding plan that's specific to remote, hybrid, and in-person? You'll want to think about that actually as you're posting the job because you're going to want to talk about that as they get into the recruiting process. Like if I'm hiring a leader that has a remote team, but they've never managed a remote team before, that's going to be a problem and vice versa. You know, it's important to think through how remote employees start their new job. They, you know, they get to the job and then it's like, welcome to Slack or Teams, you know, or whatever messaging pain program you use, right? They don't know. And I don't know about y'all. I do not like two minute introductions over Zoom, you know, fake coffee talks. Like that was fun the first week of COVID. I don't want to do that anymore. So think about what else you can do to make those more fun. That's why we're opting in to have people all come together for the onboarding experience, even if they go back to being remote or hybrid. So some suggestions that Vanessa and I have for you, have a specific handoff meeting with the new hire manager after the, um, you know, the corporate onboarding is complete. Be clear about who on the new hire success team. Like, is it a mix of the recruiter, the hiring manager, the onboarding leader, and likely a peer on or off the team or both? This is that spider rep we talk about. You know, new hires, remember, they need a friend to phone and they need a safety net of committed people to help them be successful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, let's move into our, our third section, what to include in your onboarding process. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about, um, about that. So what what should HR not leave out? Okay, well, you know, we always talk about our cake and any HR unplugged, we talk about it. So of course, you're going to talk about your vision. You're going to talk your mission, your values, your strategy as an organization. You're going to want to have, we've talked about this with recruiting and network recruiting. You want them to be an advocate of what you're doing so they can go recruit other great people to come join your organization. So who are you hiring? What skill sets do you need to meet your vision? You want to go deep into the rewards and how those cycles work. Um, again, to continue to drive in the why, they should be glad to be there and why you're glad to have them there. Continued gratitude about thank you for making a change in your life to spend your very valuable time here on this mission with us. Like think about that message, right? And think about the importance of tying that in and just saying, thank you for being with us. Thank you for choosing us. I feel like I'm on an airplane. You have many choices when you fly. You have many choices when you get to get a job, which you do more than ever. 
thank you for choosing us. And in response for choosing us, we are going to deliver to you an exceptional career opportunity. This is going to be the best place you've ever worked before. You're never going to want to leave. And in fact, you're going to recruit your friends to join us. And this is why, because we're doing something that's going to change the world and make it a better place. And you're not going to want to miss it. And you're going to get development and career growth opportunities you'll never get. And this is how it all comes together with how our business comes together. So like this is the narrative. This is the excitement. This is the energy and the secret sauce. Most companies aren't doing this. So get in there, put time into it, create energy around it, and it'll be awesome. Love it. And now, and then eat cake, you know? (laughs) Well, any other advice for HR teams that are managing the process of onboarding? Uh, It's a process. Like Vanessa just said it, it's a process. It needs to be dependable, reliable, scalable, automated wherever possible. You know, you need someone to be responsible for updates, changes, like anytime, like we do this a lot as people teams, we roll out new things and then we don't roll them into the existing processes, right? So anytime you change something, where is it going? How is it landing? How do you make sure that new hires get it? You know, we talked about already having a friend is critical to success at work. So what type of community are you creating and how do you make a process out of creating community? right? What programs do you have that helps foster those communal environments? One way to help new hires create new bonds with people is to include introductions to people they'll work with cross-functionally during the onboarding process. And that can build out that bond early, you know, getting them to interact early on, build relationships, talk about things. You know, one of the things I love that we did as a team virtually is remember Vanessa, that scavenger hunt? So you were all on Zoom and then you'd be like, go find, you know, the closest piece of chocolate. What is it? Or go find, you know, the hat that's closest to you in the room that you're in, right? Like, you know, just go do things so that you can have some lightness and funniness and get to know different quirks. Mm-hmm. And, and you really got to know in, the employees too. And get it created a lot of good conversations where it's like, oh, I have a connection to that person. I didn't know that they collected uh, old dollar bills or, you know, it, it did spark a lot of connections there, which is really cool. Like, you're going to love this, Vanessa. Can you believe I've got these on my desk? I don't really know why, but they're very cute, right? Very cute. Like, so you're going to do the rest of the episode with those on, right? Please, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the number one question that we all want to know, uh, Star Wars fans out there, is where did you get those? You know, what happens when you go shopping with little people, things end up in your cart, and you don't realize till after you've paid that there's things in your cart. So I really don't know where it came from or why it's on my desk right now. But <laughs> it's adorable. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> At least I know it's out there. So now the search begins. <laughs> um, well, anything else you would add that would help HR teams make onboarding a success at their org, especially so they can get ahead of any turnover issues? Okay. So it wouldn't be an HR Unplugged episode if we didn't talk about the cake and we didn't talk about data. You've got to collect data on onboarding just like we do on anything else. We always make data-driven decisions, people leaders. One of the ways that you do that is you don't need a special tool. You just need a Google survey. Find out if onboarding was successful for them and if they feel prepared for the role. Right? Remember, the outcome of onboarding is getting people to value fast. 
So based on this experience that I've had, I feel like I understand how the company works. I feel like what's um, expected of to me is excessively clear and I know how to be successful in my job and I know where to go to find resources that I need to be valuable, right? So you want to kind of gauge that. And I like asking those questions, you know, maybe at the 60, 120 day mark, whatever comes after 120, 250 before 365, right? I want to know all the way through year one, because I think it really takes six months to a year, depending on the role, to really get value and to really be delivering and clicking on a great cadence. And then you also want to survey the hiring manager. And this is the question that I love. Would you enthusiastically rehire this person for this job today? Are they delivering value? Are they delivering more or less value than you thought? Because this is feedback back into that recruiter hiring manager relationship where it's like, did we define the job right? Did we have strong candidates? Where did we miss on the profile? What do we need to think about? Do you feel like this person is really at the mark and they're going to continue to grow at or above the pace of the business? So again, a lot of this is in our definitive guide for onboarding. There's 10 steps there for onboarding. Today, we've touched on three, but definitely download this free asset so you can really upgrade your onboarding in 24. I love I love the plug you made for surveys because I know I've been a part of like recruiting teams in the past where we had a new hire survey where it went out to the employee after like 90 days to understand how was your recruiting process to onboarding to everything else. And you're able to analyze that and understand uh, where where did we not communicate well enough and where where could we have helped them have a better experience. Um, but I just pulled some recent data for our hiring surveys for context. It's a survey that goes out to uh, the the hiring manager after I think it was like 90 days or 60 days, something like that. Um, but within this, like it, it's asking them those questions about how how great are they doing and helps us understand like, uh, you know, how how we're doing with it. So um, it's, it's interesting to look how we're trending with the new hires. The three data points I'm most interested in reviewing are are we trending at 90% or higher for hiring managers agreeing that they would hire this person again? Are we trending 80% or higher for performance expectations within the first 90 days? And are we trending 80% or higher for ramp time and getting folks to the providing value stage within the first 90 days? You know, really paying attention to those targets. Um, I would encourage everyone on the call who isn't doing a new hire survey, at least your hiring managers. Um, to start that process soon. It's so it's really so enlightening and could help you really identify areas where you might not be aligned with the hiring manager so you can fix some of the recruiting for your future. It's so critical. And thanks for sharing that, Vanessa. Vanessa actually went to our own bamboo recruiting team and pulled this out of our own survey. So these are things that we're dealing with you alongside. These are the things that are working for us. And they've been really great inputs back to our recruiting team, again, to strengthen that partnership. Because you spend a lot of time and money recruiting great resources, great humans with great talents, you want to make sure that they can deliver. And then you don't want to lose them. We know how much that costs us. So just I would really encourage everyone to put some type of data or metric around this and just start somewhere. It doesn't have to be complex. Yep. And if you don't have a program that could do it for you, use Google Doc, uh, Google Forms. I love because Google you, Forms. Yep. I should start a survey earlier today. And another topic, I mean, in a Google form, there we go. <laughs> yep. And, and, and running analysis is super easy. I just 
copy it into an Excel spreadsheet, you make a tab over and you put in your data, create pie charts. Like, you know, there's there's other resources you can use if you don't have budgets, if you're in a smaller company and you and that's a that's a good workaround. So sure. all right. Well, thank you, Anita. I had a really great time talking about onboarding. Before we wrap up, let's open the conversation to the audience and and just kind of check out our Q&A to see if there's any uh, questions in there that we can chat through. It looks like we've got some time for a couple questions. Um, and so I'm going to post up the the first one here. April King, thank you for your comment. We are So uh, April had said we are truly 100% remote. Our employees are in 31 states and it is cost prohibitive to fly everyone to the corporate office. Additionally, their team or manager may not be located at corporate. What suggestions do you have to build camaraderie for a fully remote workforce? So, April, I love this question. I know a lot of you are in this boat. I would go out to the people that you onboarded in 23 and say, what did we do best to build camaraderie? Go ask your customer. Go ask them what they liked and what they want to see more or less of. For me, I told you that I don't like Zoom coffee tops or Zoom happy hours. I have to have more structure into what I'm doing. Other just, especially the larger your Zoom gets, it gets really ineffective. One of the things we ran, I think in 2021, um, we did a connected program. We have a theme every year. Um, our theme this year, we just announced today at our company update, it's called Game Changers. So April, I think having a company theme is really helpful and it can be used as a guide for what you're going to do to build camaraderie. So one thing, if I think about this year's theme around game changers, get everybody together and say, bring a picture of an item that represents something game changing. What is an item that's been game changing to you in 2023? And what do you hope will be game changing in 2024? Um, in 2021, we had the theme of connected, as I mentioned. And part of um, what we were doing, we did a health fitness month, right, Vanessa? We set everybody water bottles that said connected on them. And we challenged everybody to drink water as part of our summer wellness challenge to get to be able to win. They had to show pictures of everybody on Zoom drinking their water bottles or doing a virtual yoga class or something, something like that. So you've got to give them a theme and then kind of put it in their hands. Don't feel, April, that you've got to do it all. You know, if you throw it out there and you challenge them to create ways to get connected and to be together, they'll produce it for you. So get them involved, ask them what they want. And there's there's just some fun ideas of things that I've, I've really enjoyed. Yeah, and tying into those themes generates that like true excitement. And sometimes like competitions are really fun for, for those that are really competitive. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so I'm gonna share the next one. For Monica Kennedy, we'll probably get to this, but how do we help managers who have been at the company for many years that don't want to change their process? I've had a manager tell me they believe people need to just get thrown in and learn how to swim. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Monica, my thoughts are that you've got to combat this with data. Like when you have enough new hires that come in that say, I don't have the tools and resources to be successful. I don't have anywhere to go to ask questions. I don't feel like I'm set up for success and I'm turning over in the first year of employment, those would be three data points that I would go back and say, hey, I just don't think that what we're spending on acquiring talent is producing the ROI for the talent that we want. So while going out and learning how to swim may have been a useful strategy in the past, in the future, based on these data points, what would you suggest that we do different? Because is it working for you? Are your customers happy? Are these team members that we're bringing on getting to value quickly? 
Like, how can you prove to me that getting thrown in and learning how to swim in the deep end is the most effective strategy? What data do you have to show me that's the way we should continue doing it? And that's how I'd have that conversation. Yeah. And just following up from that, it's like telling them not just the data, like not giving just the weather report, but how to prepare for it like and telling them the story about how it actually affects them because they might look at the data and be like, this is dumb. Uh, <laughs> what does this even mean? How does this affect me? So helping build that story of tying it back into the strategy, what's important and valuable to them as a leader and how it's going to affect them and help them get there, getting that buy in, like really using that to tell the story. I love that, Vanessa. Yes, don't just deliver the weather report. Tell them, hey, it's a snow squall. This is what you have to be prepared for. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> All right, well, we'll go on to our, our next question here. Is it 44 days from when they sign their written offer letter or first 44 days on the job? I think it's 44 days. I'm pulling up the definitive guide right now. I think it's 44 days on average to influence the decision. I think it's from day one to day 44. Do you think so, Vanessa? Yes, I. that's how I would view it. Thank you for your question. All right. So Sarah said, how do you build buy-in for collaboration from transition from corporate to manager so you have a sense of consistency? So what we've been doing is we built a vision and a plan that tied into our cake around what we wanted for onboarding. And as you all know, we have a very diverse group of team members at Bamboo. And so all of our leaders have different needs around onboarding. So we built a plan that tied into our vision and strategy. And our onboarding team with our business partners, so Vanessa was part of this, went back and talked to each leader and said, hey, this is the feedback you've shared around why onboarding is or is not effective. We've taken your feedback. We've put together this plan. What feedback do you have? We made the changes that we could. And then we said, hey, will you get behind this and support it? And so you've got to do that. It's a, it's a bi-directional collaborative process because they have to believe in it. If they don't believe in it, they're not going to dedicate time for it. Uh, so those are the ways that I would encourage you to collaborate to get that Biden. All right. So Donna said, have you seen that a referral bonus works for your organization? Yes, yes, yes. And please go back and watch the episode with Scott Sinatra on network hiring, where we talk a lot about the power of network hiring and referral bonuses for your organization. And what I love about Scott Sinatra's point of view is it gives a very modern take on the referral bonus and how to be most effective with utilizing not just the network that you have in the network of your organization, but pushing it out beyond that so that you can get those qualified, diversified pipelines um, through the powerful social tools that we have today. So yes, I would always have a referral bonus and I always give thank yous and be kind to those people that are refer referring. Because if you're not going back and saying, hey, this person got hired or this person did not, they're not gonna refer to you again. Brooke says, we are a remote call center which already has high turnover. We struggle with people wanting to work remote and think they will like the job, but end up not liking the call center environment and quit. It is so difficult to find people for the lower wage we offer. And unfortunately, increasing it is not something we're able to do at this time. Is there anything recommended to avoid having this issue particularly? Yes, outsource to the Philippines. Like, I think it's unfortunate, Brooke, but a lot of these jobs don't exist in America anymore. We're struggling with the same thing inside Bamboo. And we're actually going to do a show on this. We're preparing it right now. The benefits and thoughts of out around outsourcing, it can be uncomfortable. 
But I would, there's a lot of people that are doing it that are really successful. CSAT scores are high, if not higher than what you're getting already inside your existing call center. Uh, the training can be excellent. The time zone support is really good. And so those would be the things that I would have you look into because like right now, you know, for some of our support jobs, you know, we're competing with Chick-fil-A and Starbucks, right? So, um, you know, from a wage standpoint, it's really tough and I have a lot of empathy for what you're doing. So that would be the first place I would go is figuring out where you can secure that talent at a lower cost, but higher output. Yep. Yep. Well, I think uh, let's, uh, let's end with one last question. What is the best way to define L&D role and HR team role in ensuring the collaboration is smooth when developing, working on onboarding programs? So, you know, it's so interesting. We just did this because I'm um, temporarily running our operations team. I'm actually hiring for a head of operations. It's posted on LinkedIn, looking for any referrals from our awesome hero network here. And so right now, I know I said to the team today, I said, I don't want to take anything away that you all want to grow into. And they all said, hire the job, you know? So I think part of it is when you have enough pain and you have people that don't have passion for the job, that's the best way, but they discovered it, right? They said, you know, we need more onboarding. You know, Bamboo is going to hire a lot of people this year. We have a lot of, of demand around an onboarding program inside Bamboo, and we don't have anyone that's really passionate about doing it. So that's one way. Another way is that you have such volume and it's so critical to get people to value quickly, you want somebody with a tried and true track record to come in and do it. So it may not be as effective to have it as a stretch roll. You could also, you know, one time I needed to get it delivered quickly. I found a consultant to come in and build the program because that's one skill set that's different from running and executing on onboarding week to week. So keep in mind that you're doing two different things. You may hire somebody to help you build content and then hire somebody to facilitate and deliver. So really go back to your cake, think about the problem that you have, and then think about how you want to solve it. And communicating it from that standpoint is the best way to get collaboration. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Anita. Really appreciate your comments and, and insights as always. And just a quick shout out to Sylvia. Thank you so much for your wonderful comment that Bamboo has the best customer support. Please don't ever change that. It's why we love Bamboo. You know, here's a special virtual heart just for you, Sylvia, for that wonderful comment. Uh, well, Anita, as we wrap up, uh, do you want to take us through the three takeaways for today's episode? Yes, we definitely want to deliver on this value proposition for you all. So we know that onboarding starts with alignment at the recruiting phase and finding the right new team member and setting those clear expectations for what they can count on when they join you. Onboarding should focus on paperwork as an experience, culture, mission, values, and building connections, finding your friend at work. Role-based onboarding is critical for the success of each new hire, and the people team should partner with hiring managers to check in on new hire success. So definitely do that. Download the free guide, engage with each other in our HR Heroes Slack channel so we can make sure we support you all in a great 2024 of onboarding. We invite you to visit HR unplug.com where you can see all of our past episodes you can subscribe to our series get invites to our upcoming shows in any podcast format that you like and please leave us a review so we can create content that matters most to the challenges and things that you're working on inside your organizations Vanessa is always such a pleasure to be with you on this 
Thanks to all of our heroes out there. You're doing awesome work. And we can't wait to support all of your wonderful endeavors, being heroes and creating great places to work for everybody out there. Thanks for what you're doing and have a super week. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambi HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR dash unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambi HR sets people free to do great work. 